0: Well, good morning. My name is Clayton Walker. I'm the lead pastor of the City Church. I know we've got a lot of new people here, family, friends uh, that, that are here to worship with us because you're celebrating a baptism or dedication or senior recognition. And so we are honored that you're here joining us This morning, this is a family service. You heard earlier uh, a couple times a semester, we have a family service where all of our kids and students come together and worship together with their families because we believe in being a multi generational church that worships together. And we want our kids to see their parents worshiping God and praying and engaging with the Word of God. We want our kids to, to see us model that for them. And so that's our heart and that's our prayer behind our family services. My wife Darby and I have three kids of our own. We got a 16 year old. His name's Levi, a 13 year old Coben and a nine year old. She's about to turn 10 this summer. Uh, her name is Nixon. And so we, we know what it's like to be desperate and to be in desperate situations for your kids and with your kids. Like when you've got a newborn, you're, you're desperate for your baby to go to sleep. Right, moms? I mean, you're you're desperate. You're desperate for them to eat. You're you're desperate for them to lose those teeth so that their gums stop hurting and they can stop crying and they can go to sleep. And then you're desperate for them to stop losing teeth. And I'm not going to explain why, because we've got some listening ears in here, but it's costing you something. And you're desperate for them to stop losing those teeth teeth. You're desperate for them to stop crying. You're desperate for them to start speaking. And then it doesn't take very long where you're desperate for them to stop speaking, right? We're desperate for our kids to be provided for and to succeed. When they're younger, we're, we're desperate for them to not throw a fit in a store or in a restaurant, right? I mean, you're just praying, dear God. Get us through this next hour without our kids absolutely losing their minds and embarrassing us to tears. I will never forget a a moment in Red Robin with Darby and I and our kids where they were going nuts. Things were spilling everywhere. We were embarrassed to tears and we're just, get us the bill. Oh, we don't care. We got to get out of here. Get us the bill. We'll leave the food. We'll leave the drink. Somebody else can have it. We don't care. We've just got to get it. We were desperate to get out of that Red Robin. Robin, you're, you're desperate for your kids to stop growing up sometimes. You don't, you don't want to think about them leaving the house someday. And then other days, let's just be real. You're desperate for them to leave the house, right? You're, you're desperate for that day to come and to come quickly. quickly. We're, we're desperate to get our kids things. We're desperate to get them to some things. But today, we're going to see some parents whose desperation for their kids may look a little bit different than our own desperation for our kids. Their, their desperation for their kids is for what they really need and for what really matters. And I want to show you what I'm talking about in Luke chapter 18. So if you got your Bible, turned there, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, you can follow along on the screen. The verses will be there. You can also follow along on our app. That's a great resource. You can download our app in your app store, the City Church love it. Click message notes, and then the verses and stuff we're talking about today will be there. Would you stand in honor of the word of the Lord this morning? And as you stand, I want to remind you that this is the word of God. Jesus said, the risen son of God, proving that he was God in the flesh, promised us that we would always have his words. He said, you will always have my words. They will never pass away. And so what we are reading this morning is the word of God. At our church, we believe that, we trust that, and we submit ourselves underneath the word of God. My son Coben's going to come and read this morning, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 15. Coben, Hi, my name is Coben Walker. I just finished uh, seventh grade at Lubbock Cooper Middle School, and I'll be reading out at Luke 18. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Do, don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Thank you, Coben. You may be seated. So a couple of weeks ago, many of you know, we talked about this passage from a child's point of view, trusting their heavenly father. We talked about the, the implications for the gospel and believing the gospel and trusting our heavenly father just like a little child. But today, we're gonna look at this from a different angle, from a different pr- perspective. We're gonna look at this from the perspective, just briefly, from the parent's point of view. What, what, what's going on here with these... Parents, Why are they bringing their kids to Jesus? These parents who brought their children to Jesus had no illusions about their children's well-being. They recognized that their kids had needs beyond their human ability and capability to meet them, beyond this world's ability to meet those needs. And so by faith, these parents knew that Jesus was their kids' only hope. I'm gonna say that again. These parents understood that Jesus was their kids' only hope. Their only hope. Their their, their only hope for their well-being and for their satisfaction. Jesus was their only hope. And so, these parents overcame every obstacle to bring their children to Jesus and to plead for his help, these parents were probably not all serene and, and smiling as they often appear in the children 's bibles no the, the, they're, they're they 're desperate they were probably had the, the looks on their faces like Darby and I in that restaurant, like like anxious and trying to get out of there as soon as we could. They were desperate to get their children to Jesus. They packed up their children, they packed up their belongings, their supplies, they traveled dusty and dangerous roads to get to Jesus, to get their kids to Jesus. Meaning, whatever discomfort, whatever inconvenience they faced was worth getting their kids to Jesus. Whatever cost they had to pay, it was worth getting their kids to Jesus. Whatever sacrifice had to be made, it was worth getting their kids to Jesus. Whatever inconvenience they might have faced, it was worth getting their kids to Jesus. They refused to take the disciples no for an answer. The disciples scolded them and they're like get get out of here. You know, get where just move on past. We got to get our kids to Jesus. Kind of like those friends that clawed a hole in the roof of that house to lower their paralyzed friend down to Jesus. Those friends knew Jesus is this man's only hope. And so they were willing to embarrass themselves and shame themselves to get their friend to Jesus. It's like the woman who elbowed through the the crowd of people to tug at Jesus's robe for healing from her decade-long affliction. She didn't care what anyone else thought. She didn't care what society said. She knew, I've got to get to Jesus because he's the only one that can help me. He's the only one that can Save me. That that was these these parents' attitude. That, that, that was their heart. We've got to get our kids to Jesus. These parents knew that their kids needed Jesus to do something for them that they could not do for themselves, and that the parents couldn't do for them as well. And so they would not be dissuaded. Embarrassment shame, discomfort, inconvenience, sacrifice, cost, whatever, we've got to get our kids to Jesus. They were desperate. Now let's be real. Can we be real for a minute? I think a lot of us are desperate for our kids to have things, do things, and experience things. And these things aren't bad or wrong in and of themselves. But oftentimes our desperation for those things outweighs our desperation for our kids to know Jesus, serve Jesus, worship Jesus, follow Jesus. I mean, let's get real. We're we're desperate for a lot of other things for ourselves and for our kids than Jesus. We're desperate to get them to practice. Why? Because we're desperate for them to succeed at a sport. Right, I, I'm there too. I'm, I'm not. I'm not telling you something that isn't true in my own family. We're we're, we're desperate to be at every practice and every game so that they can succeed in that. sport. Let's just be real. Let's just be honest with what it is. We're, we're desperate for them to succeed at, at sports. We're desperate to, to get them to school so that they can get that education, so they can go to the right college, so they can have that right job, so that they can have that income. We're, we're, we're desperate for our kids to succeed. We're, we're desperate for our kids to be popular, to be well-known. We're, we're desperate for these things. We're desperate to get them the right things so that that they'll fit in. We're desperate. The question is, are we desperate to get them to Jesus? Many of those things aren't wrong in and of themselves. They're They're just secondary. They're secondary things that will never satisfy them, ever. But there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. They're... They're secondary things. They're not primary things. They're secondary. And so the question this morning is, are we desperate? You, or you're maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're not even married. Are you desperate to know Jesus and follow Jesus and, and serve Jesus like knowing and believing that your entire well-being and satisfaction and joy in this life is in Christ and in him alone? If you've got kids, are you desperate for your kids to know Jesus and serve Jesus and worship Jesus knowing that their entire well-being, just like these parents, is wrapped up in them knowing and serving and worshiping Jesus? Their well-being, their satisfaction, their joy is found in Christ. Are we living like that as parents? Over the past year, our daughter Nixon has been begging us to get baptized. She brings it up over and over and over again. And and because my kids are pastor's kids, Darby and I kind of made the decision with, with each child that we were gonna have them beg us to get baptized. We weren't gonna beg them, we weren't gonna push them, we're gonna share the gospel. We're going to invite them to do certain things, but we weren't going to push them or make them give their lives to Jesus or get baptized. So, so we decided, hey, we're going to make them or, or, or wait for them to beg us to get baptized. And, and so each child along the way did that at a certain point. They realized their need for Jesus, gave their life to Christ, and got baptized. Well, over the last year, Nixon's been begging for us to allow her to get baptized, and each time that conversation comes up, Darby or I share the gospel with Nixon, making sure she understands what it means to give her life to Jesus, why she needs to give her life to Jesus, what baptism is. I, I, I remember a conversation we had about a couple of weeks ago. I picked her up from gymnastics. We got in the car. She asked me about getting baptized again. And I began to share the gospel with her all over again. And each time, Nixon, just like all of our kids, they... they they understood the right answers. They, they, they mentally understood and could answer the questions that you would ask them. And so I'm very, very thankful for that. But there's a difference between knowing things about the gospel and knowing things about Jesus and understanding and realizing I'm lost without Jesus. That he is my only hope in this life and for the next life. And so I've been praying for that moment for Nixon. A Couple of weeks ago, she went through our kid faith class. She had been sick on a Sunday and Courtney came over and had a one-on-one session with Nixon in our living room where she went through the kid faith material with her. And as they were sitting there on the couch and Courtney was walking through the class material with Nixon. I was just praying that that Nixon would have a moment where she understood that she personally needed Jesus, that these gospel truths weren't just generally true, but that she personally needed Jesus. So we met, we prayed, Courtney left, and we began to talk with Nixon about everything that we had talked about all over again. And again, I could kind of tell that that moment hadn't yet arrived, that she she knew the right answers, but we couldn't yet tell that it was like her time and that she was ready and that she understood that, that she personally needed Jesus and that she was lost without him. And so we continued to talk on the couch and I felt God leading me to do something that was extremely difficult. I really felt that she personally needed to understand that she was not a good person, that she had broken God's law, that she had not been born a Christian, that she was not a Christian because her dad's a pastor. She's she's not a Christian because her parents follow Jesus or her brothers have followed Jesus. She's not a Christian because she goes to church every week. She needed to understand and sense that, that she personally was lost and headed to hell without, Jesus saving her personally from her sin. And so we begin to walk through the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments. Nixon, have you ever told a lie before? Yes. The Bible says that makes you a liar. Nixon, have you ever wanted something that someone else had, like in a jealous way? Yeah, well, the Bible, that says that makes you a coveter. Have you ever loved anything or pursued anything? over and above your, your, your love and worship of God. Yes, that Bible says that makes you an idolater. Have you ever been angry with someone before, Jesus says if you've ever been angry with someone in your heart, that that's the same as committing a murder in, in, in your heart. It's not just about what you've done, it's about what you've thought, it's about the motivations and intentions of your heart. And so we we walked through some of these things and I said, Nixon, you're gonna stand before God as a liar, as a cheater, as a murderer, as a coveter, as an idolater. Are you gonna be guilty or not guilty? And she said, guilty. I said, would that mean heaven or would that mean hell? She said, "Hell." You can imagine how difficult it is to tell your child, whom you love, you adore, one of the most precious things in the world, to me. she's broken God's law. The Bible says she's not a good person. No, there's not one. There's not one good person. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, it broke me to to tell her that she's not a Christian, that she wasn't born a Christian. But it was in that moment where I do believe God did something in her heart and she understood that she was lost and that she had no hope in this life or for the next life without Jesus. And so Darby and I prayed with her on our couch in our living room and she gave her life to Jesus on May 8th. And in our kid faith class, we have our kids write letters to their future selves so that they can know what they were thinking when they gave their life to Jesus and know why they wanted to go public with their faith and get baptized. And so Nixon wrote this letter to her future self on May 8th. She said, dear future Nixon, I gave my life to Jesus today. I prayed to Jesus today and said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But I believe in Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I'm giving my life to you forever. I will do things your way and not mine. And I know you will always be with me. And Nixon gave her life to Jesus because she got it that without Jesus, she is lost. And she knew that she needed, person. she needed Jesus to save her from her sin. That's a desperation in anyone's heart, but especially in your kid's heart, that you can only pray happens one day where they understand there is no way they could ever do better or try harder their way into the kingdom of God. There's no way they could ever do better or try harder or be a good enough person to be right with God and to go to heaven when they die. That's the desperation that we pray for in anyone, but especially in our kids, that they get that, that they are lost without Jesus and they must run from their sin and cling to Jesus because he's the only one that can save them. These parents in Luke 18, they were desperate for their kids to get to Jesus. And there was nothing they wouldn't do. There was no price that they wouldn't pay. There was no sacrifice of a secondary thing or issue that they they, they wouldn't put aside. They were desperate for their kids to get to Jesus. These parents knew their kids needed Jesus and that their entire well being, their entire life was wrapped up in their kids knowing Jesus. At our church, we have what's called the City Seven. The City Seven are seven foundational truths that remind us of what we believe and why we believe these things. And this week's truth, I think, is at the heart of what these parents knew and understood. The question is this, why do I follow Jesus? And now here's where you vocalize this and confess this with me on the count of three. Ready, one, two, three. I follow Jesus because Jesus rose from the dead proving that he is the way, the truth, and the life at the heart of these parents' desperation to get their kids to Jesus was knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And their kids' well-being, joy, and life was only going to be found in knowing Jesus because he's the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus said, no one goes to the Father except through him. During our Project One series last fall, we asked you, the families in our church, to examine your family's commitment to your faith and to your faith family, to knowing Jesus and following Jesus within this covenant community. And we said, your desperation level for you and your family to know Jesus and to grow in Jesus and to be equipped in your faith must be examined. Are we desperate for secondary things or are we more desperate for primary things like our faith and our faith family? Why? Why would we want you to consider that? Why why would we ask you to pray about that and examine that? It's because you and your family and your kids' well-being, life, and joy is completely found and only found in Jesus. And so my question for you this morning is this, are you convinced of that? Are you convinced that your well being, life, and joy are found alone in Jesus, and, and that your kids' well being, life, and joy are found in Jesus. Are you convinced of that? Or are you or your family doing anything that is keeping your kids from knowing, serving, and worshiping and growing in Jesus? And if so, maybe you need to examine. Some of those things that you have elevated to primary and you need to repent of those things and begin to make them secondary once again. Are you doing anything? Is your family doing anything that's keeping your family, your kids from knowing Jesus? These parents were desperate. All else was secondary compared to their kids knowing Jesus. You see, part of my job is to get all of us, myself included, is to make sure all of us, myself included, are pursuing what really matters. It's it's part of my job to make sure that we are leading our families, leading my family to pursue what really matters and, and to turn from the worshiping and serving of created things to begin worshiping and serving the creator. Because, here's why, It's why you're on this planet. It's why you were created in the first place. Colossians one says that all things, that's you and me, all things were made by Jesus and exist for Jesus. You are on this planet to know, worship, serve, and follow Jesus. It's why you're here. It's your purpose for being on this planet. It's why God created you and gave you life. It's to know him. And these parents got it. Life, well being, joy for our kids is only going to be found in Jesus. It's why they're on this planet, is to know Him. And He's the only thing that will ever satisfy them, He's the only thing that will ever satisfy you. They were desperate. Are you? What are you desperate for? Would you pray with me? I think there's some people in the room today that that, that might be trusting and their good deeds outweighing their bad deeds to make them right with God. And, 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 and you need to know the Bible says salvation's not a reward for the good things that we've done. Good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people do. And you're forgiven of your sin when you give your life to Jesus. And so today, would you abandon all hope in your effort and in your works? And would you run to Jesus? Who died in your place for your sin paying your fine for sin so that you could be forgiven of your sin made right with God and know for sure that when you die you're going to heaven not because of what you could do or how well you can do this day forward no your confidence comes from what Jesus has done for you And so I wonder if there's some people in here today you've been trusting in your own good works You've been hoping maybe God will just let you into his heaven. The Bible is clear. You have broken his law. There's a payment for your fine for breaking God's law. It's eternity separated from God in hell. You are lost. You are hopeless without Jesus. And so cry out to him today. Give your life to Jesus today. And if that's you, jump on our app, fill out our connect form and let us know that you're giving your life to Jesus today. God, I pray that right now in this moment, as we sing, as we watch people get baptized, representing death to sin and new life in Christ, God, I I pray that in these moments that we have together, left God, that your spirit would move in our hearts and minds and convince us that our well-being, life, and joy are only found in Christ and in him alone. Would you, tune our hearts? Would you change our hearts, God, that that we might believe that and live like that? That Christ alone will satisfy us, that Christ alone will satisfy our kids. And God, maybe our, our desperation would change as a result of this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as our team leads us in worship?